Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nettling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring guests and topics that will help you become that confident leader to grow your business, taking it to that next level. I have the pleasure of having with me my guest, Andrea Claussen. And let me tell you a little bit about Andrea. She is an Ayurvedic practitioner, RYT 500 hour, hour, yoga teacher and a wild woman circle leader. We're going to talk about that later too. <laughs> Who has been in wellness space since 27 or 2007. Her mission is to help you start to live a cyclical life by living in alignment with your menstrual cycle and the seasons. She does this by teaching her peaceful power practices centered around movement, mindfulness, and mother nature through an Ayurvedic lens. You can hear more from Andrea and Peaceful Power Podcast. Oh, she loves those peace. So the Peaceful Power Podcast, where she aims to deliver actionable takeaways for you to live a more holistic lifestyle. Our theme for today is going to be Ayurvedic seasonal wellness tips. So we're going to talk about winter today. Please welcome Andrea Claussen. Hey, Andrea. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. I know there's um, so many things that go through my mind on this topic. So let's just first get with an easy question that I always ask everyone. What is the part of country that you are living in right now? Yeah, I'm actually in St. Paul, Minnesota. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> it's a cold one there. All right. <laughs> Today is very nice, though. Yes, yes. What is Ayurveda? And sorry if I keep on mispronouncing it. No, you have it. <laughs> You know, that's like the hardest thing is like looking at the word and like, how do I say this? Mm. So Ayurveda originated in India over 5,000 years ago, and it's a holistic wellness system Mm -hmm. um, that basically the goal is to get to the root cause. So we're looking at mind, body, soul, everything connected. And so we're often looking at mother nature, what's going on outside as to what's going on inside. And then that's how we can kind of look at, okay, this is, you know, as we're approaching the winter season, here's what we want to be on the lookout for. And here's how we can shift our routines. So we're in alignment with our body and with the outdoor nature. Mm-hmm. It's also an interesting topic being you in Georgia, 
very different climate than we have in Minnesota. (laughs) And so winter looks different. You're still doing practices Ayurvedically, but you wouldn't have to do it quite as intensely as those who live in like a cold weather state like myself. We're going to have a little bit um, harder and fine line on things than maybe you would because you're going to have warmer winter days than we are. I guess conversely, our summer would be a little different than the way you do for your winter because of the heat. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. You are going to be pacifying. It's the pitta season. And so you're pacifying that much more intensely than we have to here. And being in Minnesota, we have lakes. And so we are, we can stay cool in different ways and it's just not getting as hot. Um, We still have some humidity, but nothing like the salt. (laughs) Yeah. So how can one implement Ayurveda into their lives? Yeah, so Ayurveda is something that you can do um, in any way that you see fit. So whether it be diet, whether it be lifestyle, a lot of people will use it for um, digestion. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I have. That's one of my specialties is digestion. So we're looking at food, but we're also looking at um, when we look at uh, digestion in Ayurveda, we're looking at what are you consuming, not only with your mouth, but taking in with your eyes. So Mm -hmm. if you're eating dinner, for example, watching the nightly news and then trying to digest that and trying to digest your food, that's when, Ah. you know, we can have problems. And so people are suddenly like their body's not being able to process things. And so we're kind of looking at it, a holistic system. Um, And that's just kind of one example of how Ayurveda approaches things a little bit differently. Um, And then in terms of stress, I think Ayurveda does a really good job of like, okay, how can we alter the lifestyle Mm -hmm. to get it to be where we can reduce stress, but it's not going to be hours of self-care because you know, realistically, we don't have hours, a lot of us don't <laughs> yes, have hours to spend on self-care. Yes, for sure. So I, I aim to do bite-sized doses. I'm like, how can we fit in like meditation during your workday? How mm-hmm. can you get in breath work, you know, at your office space? Yeah. Like, can you just take a minute away from your desk and just work on some pranayama? So just taking, like, I always tell people wh- whatever time, like I usually say it's a 2 PM check-in, but it can be whatever time you set every day. And then at two o'clock or whatever time your timer dings, you move away from your desk and then you just say, what do I need? And so often my people at an office job, they will just set a timer and they'll just breathe for five minutes, you know, having mm-hmm. that exhale twice as long as the inhale. And that's going to help put you into the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest. And so just that little tip right there, people are like, Oh, this, this makes a difference just to reset. Yeah. Sometimes at two or three o'clock, we start to feel like our energy is tanking, <laughs> you know, lunch is settled in and now we have the rest of the day. And mm-hmm. so that's one way to kind of get yourself back in the groove. Yeah. It's the worst time to have a meeting <laughs> Yes. <laughs> or to be the person who's leading a meeting. Tell me about yes. it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so how do you combine the Ayurveda with your personal training background? Yeah. So I started, I was a personal trainer. I started my business um, 11 years ago now. Um, and so I started in personal training and that was what I did. I went to people's homes and then I've met so many people through my own podcast about, oh my gosh, you have a personal training background too. Me too. And we've all slightly evolved into different holistic measures Mm -hmm. now, which is also interesting because once you're working one-on-one with people and, you know, personal training, you really get to know people. You're often like, it's not necessarily just the physical movement. A lot of it, you know, people are drawn to like, I was drawn to, and I studied psychology and sports and exercise science Mm -hmm. in my undergrad. And so I think I really had that 
balance of like, I really like the psychology. I like to have those habit changes. Mm -hmm. And so once I found Ayurveda, I was like, this is a whole system that I can put into place for clients to actually reach their goals. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they don't need to be doing a 30 minute HIIT workout. They need just 30 minutes of like a yoga session. I know. Uh, you know, again, a pranayama session, something mm-hmm. where we can tap into those, like, let's dive into Ayurvedically. How can you implement it into your life? What would make the sense for you? And so that's kind of what I started to see. And that's how I kind of shifted away from just solely personal training and started sprinkling in there. And the clients were like, yeah, this is, this is what I need. This is what I love. And so that's kind of how I made that switch of just realizing this is, this is kind of that next phase Right. Um, of the holistic movement. So how you, I think you kind of started to talk about this, how you became interested in Ayurveda. Did you use it yourself first to kind of, you know, when, for me, whenever I want to try something new, I'll use it for a year practically to see, okay, does it really work? Or is this just a, t- a trend or a fad? What was your experience like whenever you decided, yes, I'm going to do this? Yeah. So I did not know about Ayurveda until um, 20, gosh, what was it? 2015, 2014 is I was on a Costa Rica trip, a yoga retreat in the jungles, of course. And the teacher was like, you're a Pitta. And I'm like, what is this Pitta you speak about? And at the time I, I didn't have any yoga teacher training underneath me. So I wanted to, you know, get that thinking I'd learn about Ayurveda. And then anyone who's taken a yoga teacher training, you get like three hours of your 200 hour is actually about Ayurveda. And so that's what I wanted. So I signed up for more Ayurveda after the yoga teacher mm-hmm. training program. And um, I actually got pregnant with my son who is now six. And so during the yoga teacher training, I was pregnant. Postpartum is really when I started to implement Ayurveda. Cause I was like, okay, coming from the personal training background, everyone's like, you're going to bounce back. You're a trainer but I did not. And I did not feel great in my body and mentally, emotionally had some like postpartum depression, anxiety. And so Ayurveda really came into play there where I was like, okay, this is a system that's actually helping me. And that's when I started to feel better, you know, and I actually started losing weight and I started to work out less and, you know, eat more nourishing foods and balancing that doshas. Cause we look at kind of the doshas as the balancing thing in Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. And once I started doing that, I was like, okay, I feel like myself again. And so that's, that's how I introduced Ayurveda into my life. And then clients kind of saw that change. And then that's when I started um, taking them on that journey after I had kind of the education and my own personal experience. Wow. That's perfect. So how do you work out um, when you have your period, your menstrual cycle? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that one, I, I don't recommend working out on your bleeding phase. And so mostly, and that's hard for people who would love to work out like, what? Yeah. but I always say rest is best those first couple of days because your body's already doing a ton. Um, and then often, so that next phase after the menstrual phase, after that bleeding phase is the follicular phase. And often people have that burst of energy. This is often mm-hmm. when we feel the best. Mm-hmm. And so that's the time do the more intense workouts, you know, if that's what you're called to do, then ovulation, you're probably continuing with that nice, hardcore workout. You feel good. And then we hit that luteal phase. And so I always break it up into two segments because the luteal phase, usually you feel really good that first half. And then we hit that like crunchy days. Mm-hmm. And that's when all of a sudden we're like, I've hit a wall. I'm, you know, if you have PMS, you have cramps, all of that stuff starts to come into play. And then we don't feel as great. And so I adjust workouts accordingly. And so right. that late luteal phase, 
It might be just strength training. You know, it might be more Pilates. It might be more yoga, mm-hmm. um, just going for walks rather than trying to push through when your body is clearly telling you that's yeah. not what it needs. You know, it just needs a little break. And so that's kind of the other area of Ayurveda that I have implemented. And, um, you know, I really focus on menstrual health, perimenopause, menopause, and how to implement that into people's lives and how to, because a lot of the times all of the studies have been done on people typically who have male hormones and that's not helpful to, to people who have female hormones where you're like, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't do hit workouts all, all month. I'm not seeing the results that they are. And the same thing, like a keto diet. Mm-hmm. I've had many friends who are like, I've tried it and I've just ruined hormones because of it. And mm-hmm. so that's where I'm like, that's where we have to peel back the layers and we're like, we have different hormones going on. And so there's different studies now that are finally being done. And um, we can kind of get to the, again, to the root cause of like, oh yeah, we need to train differently. We need to think about yeah. things a little differently. So interesting. Whenever I first got married, I used natural birth control. So charting and, you know, so all of the things you're talking about, I didn't have names for, but you saw all that, you you know, I knew when I was at my peak and when I wasn't, and I did that for 10 years. And that's amazing. um, That's amazing. Yeah. And no kids too, until after that, as soon as (laughs) actually, well, that's where people are getting back to people are wanting to learn that again, because that, mm-hmm. that did not get passed on to me. My mom did. I don't think she knew how to track, you know, yeah. track your menstrual cycle. And so I think that that's kind of that lost art that I'm so, I'm so glad that you did that. And yeah. Um, and and it's the two kids that I had were planned using it. So that was interesting, but, I um, but I, I think that, you know, um, understanding that, helps you to prepare for like, for me, I had horrible, horrible pain. So I didn't, I didn't use any drugs for having my babies. Cause I kept on waiting, waiting for them to get as bad as those menstrual cramps. <laughs> but, but I think it, it makes it, the secret that you're telling us is that we need to understand and listen to our bodies. And, and it seems like Ayurveda is helping us unlock that understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And giving it the, um, you know, if we look at Western medicine versus Ayurveda, Western is great. If you break your leg, you want to go see, you know, your doctor, whereas Ayurveda is going to be more like, okay, so say you have heartburn, you know, you might again, get a pill the Western medicine way because people want quick fixes because sometimes you just want it to go away. And then Ayurveda is like, okay, this might take a little bit longer, but we're going to get to that root cause. And so that example, I had a client who she was a personal training client. And then she said, she's been having, like, it was affecting our workouts. Cause she was like, I have just such bad heartburn. I'm like, well, you know, I can help you with that. Let's, let's dive into it Ayurvedically. So she started doing a food journal. And so we were looking at it and I'm like, huh, everything is coming back. It should, it should, in pay, you know, quotations be fine. And then I said, okay, so the main thing I'm seeing is just, you're going to this restaurant and having um, your pho. And so she was having this soup, you know, every day. Mm -hmm. And so the broth. And so I said, can you ask them if they change anything with the recipe? Sure enough, they changed the recipe. And when that change happened, that's when she started getting this horrible heartburn. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes it's something as like simple as that, but where Mm -hmm. you just like need another set of eyes to be like, okay, everything to me is coming out fine. And then she didn't want to keep taking heartburn medication. Right. And so once, once she knew that she's like, oh, well, I just can't go to this restaurant anymore because they changed their recipe. And yeah. so, and then it went away and that, that was it. And so sometimes it's something like that where you're like, oh yeah, that, that was way easier than keep going and taking medication. And 
she would have never had that solved yeah. because she would have never known they changed the recipe. I really believe in food journaling. I think it, it opens up a lot of um, areas where we had no idea what we were doing to our body. And yeah, I always told playing your own like health detective, mm -hmm. you know, where can you just kind of, it's like a good little insight. And I always tell people, if you don't want to do it forever, you totally don't have to, but for a few weeks, do it and just kind of see what, what you're eating. And sometimes you'll be like, Oh, I'm more mindful because I know I'm gonna have to put this in there and not realizing, Oh, I'm just constantly grabbing a right. handful of chips or every time they go through the kitchen. And then they're like, Oh, that does add up. And so sometimes it's mindless, you know, things that we do that we all do that we don't realize until we're like, Oh yeah, I got to write this down. Noted. I'm, yeah. I'm eating more than I thought, or I'm eating um, in Ayurveda, we have kind of improper food combinations that don't always digest well. Mm. And so I can look at that and say, Oh, well, this is a simple tweak. We just don't want to have um, your fruit in the morning because it's not, mm -hmm. it's not, you're not digesting it where someone else maybe can, but maybe this person can't. So right. those are some of the things, again, that that outside person can sometimes come in and you're like, oh, well, that's an easy fix. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes too, especially for women that you hear, well, it's just your age, you know, I'm 65, uh, four going to be 65 and well, you know, you can't sleep and you can't, you can't, uh, you get, you have to take Prilosec or something for heartburn. And it's like, but no, you know, you don't have to. Yes. Yes. I think that one's. That one I've heard a lot and, um, you know, just fighting back and being like, no, it's not, it does not just your age. Like Ayurveda does not look at that either. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, no, how can we, how can we fix this? Because something in the gut or gut health is off a yeah. little bit and, you know, let's figure out what works best for you. And I, I am not a fan when people come back and throw that and say they don't believe you or, you know, there is no solution. And then I think it's harder because then you get defeated. And mm -hmm. then, you know, it can go on for years before you finally get answers. So yeah, that's, that's a hard one. So why is it important to slow down and notice those seasonal changes? You know, we're in the winter now, so yeah. why is that important? So in Ayurveda, we always, again, are looking to the outside. And so for us, if we think about that fall transition into winter, it's not quite as harsh as the summer to fall. So summer to fall is quite a harsh transition. And so that's when, what, what happens? A lot of us get sick, get we get sick. colds, mm -hmm. kids always are sick back to school, more mm -hmm. germs, it just happens. But that fall to winter, you're kind of looking at like, okay, um, it's the temperatures have already been slowly going down. And then they just kind of, again, in Minnesota, keep going down and then stay down for many months. But that's <laughs> where you're balancing that. Okay. I know this is happening. And Ayurveda sees it is almost two different. They call it, we have our doshas again. So there are two different seasons, early winter versus late winter. Mm -hmm. So early winter, it's more of that Vata season, which is also the fall season. So it's a little bit lighter. So in Minnesota, our snow, it's light, it's fluffy. Um, you know, you can build a snowman maybe because it's not always sticky snow. Okay, right, right. Then come eh, mid-January, again, depending on where you live. So for us, it's about mid-January. For you us. Might have Tennessee, because um, I have a friend in Tennessee who I worked with, hers was earlier. Like it just just a little bit earlier. So depending on where you're at and Hawaii is a whole different, whole <laughs> different topics. So I've had a client in Hawaii and we were, it's a lot to navigate there because it's just different energies going on. Yeah. And so you think of the heaviness. So it's the kapha time and kapha is also in the spring season. So then we think about if Minnesota, we call it like the heart attack snow. It's when you go outside and people have heart attacks because they're shoveling yes. such mm -hmm. heavy, dense snow. And so it's great for snowmen, but it's really heavy and dense. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of the energy 
quality shift. So once you start to see that shift, you'll know if you're in that early winter or later winter. And some years are different, you know, depending on what's going on. So when we're looking at that, we're looking at, okay, what food choices do I need to make? So as it's cold outside, you want to have more warming foods Mm because in Ayurveda, um, like increases like opposites heal. So if it's cold outside, we don't want to come in and have a raw salad, have um, ice cold water um, and cold beverages, because then we're just adding that coldness into our body. It's already cold. And so that's where we look at that balancing effect. So that's why I said for you, you might have a little different climate. You might not have like I have right now some nice warm tea, but you might have maybe room temperature tea in the early winter. And then Mm -hmm. maybe later winter, you're going to be having a little bit more warmer beverages, just depending on what's going on outside. Because for you, if you're like randomly have a hot day, like a 70, 80 degree day, just out of the blue, you're you're not going to want to come in and have a hot, warm cup of tea. You know, and so for us, it's, it's negative out. Like, let's say it's negative 10. <laughs> we, we want a hot cup of tea. That's and right. same thing with food, soups. We want those soups that are grounding. Um, we want to mm-hmm. cook our vegetables because they're going to be a little bit easier to digest at that time of the year. And then the same thing with our routines. We think grounding practices. So we think meditation. Um, what can we do in the morning? So in that early winter, again, that vata is related to air and ether. And so kapha the later winter is the grounding one is related to earth and stagnant water. Mm. So that is where we're thinking movement. So late winter, what happens, especially here in Minnesota, we, a lot of snowbirds, you know, people want to go and get away because it's, it gets hard. It's that heavy Mm -hmm. stuff energy. And so to shake that off movement is key. And so that's where you might see people being like, okay, that's why new year's resolution, January, it makes sense. Cause that's that cough a year kicking in. And our bodies naturally do actually want to move. Mm-hmm. Now, the way the fitness industry has kind of worked, that is not necessarily helping things. But in general, we do want to we do want to get moving, but just in a way that makes sense for you and not like the quick fixes. Yeah, for sure. So, what are the doshas that you keep on talking about, and how do we find out what ours is? Yeah. So the doshas are, um, they're a mind body type. They're related to a season, a time of day, a time of life. Mm -hmm. And so they really govern a lot of it. And then when I look at the doshas, I look at, they're called gunas or qualities and there's 20 qualities. And so once you kind of know about the the doshas, there's qualities that fit under each of them, but those let's talk about, you know, I'll break down each of those three doshas. So avata, so vata, and this is going to be more not seasonal related, but more of the human mind body type. Mm -hmm. So the Vata, again, is that air ether in balance, super creative people. They are your ones, your artists. They, they can be the ones who think of ideas all the time. Like, let me have a notebook. I have a new idea. I have a new program I want to do. I want to start another new business. That's a Vata energy out of balance. They're really scattered. They are now talking on their cell phone to their friend and they're like, I got to go, but I can't find my phone. And your friend's like, well, you're on your phone. Um, they have trouble <laughs> focusing, you know, that you're just like, okay, are we, are we here? Are we here? We're, we're all over the place. So that is the out of balance. And so you can see why out of balance, you're not going to be able to harness that creative energy because it's going everywhere. Yeah. And so that's where the grounding practices are really important to that Vata dosha. Mm-hmm. So that's that Vata, which again, is that fall, early winter season. So those are why those practices are tied together. And then that Pitta dosha. So Pitta is what I am. And so pitas are the uh, kind of, they're like the CEOs. They are the workhorse. They are the to-do list people. They get stuff done. 
So they're the ones who vatas might be great to have on their staff because pittas can funnel them and say, yeah. here's where we're going. They might be really creative, but they need a pitta in their corner right, to, to guide them. Let's mm-hmm. go. Otherwise they're just all over. And same thing with pitta. They can be so one minded focused. They don't have those creative energy and creative juices always flowing. So that's why it's nice to have that vata to be like, right. Oh. So that's why they kind of can balance each other out in the workplace. Um, but out of balance, a pitta is burnt out overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, they're the people who keep, you know, like I had an example of this when I worked at um, a soccer academy, a startup soccer academy every Friday. And I was starting my business at the time, every Friday, like clockwork, I'd come in, I'd throw up and it was just oh, wow. like clockwork. Wow. And that's the pitta. I was burnt out. And I, I finally, one of my coworkers had told our boss, he's like, okay, like, this is not okay. Like, Andrea's having issues. Like, this is like two months in a row. And so finally he called me in. He's like, okay, this, you know, you're working too much. You have your business, you have my business. He basically made me choose and I picked my business, which I'm very grateful I did. Um, And then he said, okay, yeah, I totally can respect that. And yeah, your health is, your health is worth that. You know, you gotta, you gotta step away. And so that's a pitta out of balance. And Mm so I'm pretty good at not going down that road because I know what my triggers are and I know what starts happening in my body if I do. (laughs) And so pulling back. And so kind of knowing how to pull back, which is where slowing down comes into place. Yeah. Pittas don't usually like to do it. They don't like to do the self-care, the restorative yoga. I was just adding to someone. I just got done teaching a class and they're like, I need this, but it's so hard for me just to like sit <laughs> and do a yeah. restore class. And so those are kind of those balancing energies that that pitta needs. And that's again, the summer season. Mm-hmm. So if we think about it, what are we doing in the summer? We're going, it's hot. Mm-hmm. We're on yeah. the go all the time. And then finally, that kapha dosha. The kapha dosha is, again, that earth, that grounding, that late winter, spring season. So kapha imbalance, they are the givers. They're the mother earths. They're the ones who I, I've given a yoga teacher a hug after class, and I didn't know why. Like, they just have this aura about them where you're just like, you are so soft and just, oh, I want to I hug you. I want to get to know you. And again, they give. But on the flip side, when out of balance, they've given too much. They're depleted. Their kind of um, downside would be Netflix and chill. Like they just can't get motivated because they've <laughs> given away too much. And um, like, that's my mom is a, is a coffin. I'm like, this makes so much. She loves to give gifts and give and give, but she's always not good at receiving. And so then you have that out of balance can come into play where you just get stuck unmotivated and you're like, oh, what do I need to do? So that's why movement is so important for that coffin. Okay. Cause as long as they can get up and they get moving, Kaphas have great energy. They can go and they can sustain because again, they're that earth and that water. So they're, they're, they can sustain quite a bit, but they just got to make sure they keep going. Wow. So what is an example of an ideal din? Ar- Dinacharya. Din? <laughs> Say that again. Dinacharya. Yes. Daily routine, you told me it is. Yes. So Dinacharya is um, an ideal routine that you get up with. So this is where you start your day. We do tongue scraping in Ayurveda. Um, and then that's kind of tells you the ama or toxin. So the, the thicker, the coat that is coming off your tongue, you probably didn't digest your food from the night before. Oh. So for me, like pizza is something that I don't always digest. Well, I still have it because we have Friday night pizza, but then the next day I'll always notice I have the thicker coating. And so that's a great way to tell also a good way to tell if you're getting sick because you'll wake up the next morning. You're like, okay, I ate something that's I can easily digest and I have a coating. I got to make sure I'm not getting sick. So those are some of the things I like about the the tongue scraping. And then next is what do you do in your morning routine? So 
do you come in and vatas again want that grounding, that meditation, pitta, whatever self-care is best for you, kapha, movement is great. Mm -hmm. And then after that, making sure you get your workout in, Ayurvedically, they like between 6 and 10 a.m. is the ideal time to get your workout in. And so you're getting your workout in, showering, getting ready for work, going into work. 10 to 2 are those pitta hours. So that's usually the most productive time of your day. So it's a great time to get in like those tasks that you might need a little bit more brain power mm -hmm. on. And then um, lunch is on that noon hour. So lunch should be the biggest meal of your day because digestion is usually the strongest, which is opposite of what we usually do here. So that's something where I tell people if they're struggling with digestion, we flip those. That's usually the first thing I always do is flip them. Mm -hmm. And if you do, if you're a meat eater and you don't eat a ton of meat, meat then at lunch and more of a vegetarian or, you know, vegan, whatever you're eating at dinner. Mm. And often people are like, oh, that little switch right there made a huge difference because meat sometimes can be, is tougher to process right. and, um, you know, it's harder to digest. And especially if you're eating too close to bedtime. So that's the other case. If you do come home and, you know, you maybe let's say you worked until six, you get home and you don't eat until eight and then mm. you go to bed at, you know, 10, it's still sitting in the stomach. Right. So that's where we, you know, we shut off work ideally a couple hours before bed in Ayurveda, you have a lighter meal, ideally by six, seven o'clock at night, um, have some unwind evening routine, whatever that looks like for you, whether it be again, a meditation, a yoga practice, breath work, walking around the block, and then going to bed by 10. So that's kind of the ideal Dinacharya or day mm -hmm. um, in Ayurveda. Oh, wow. Good tips. So you gave a bunch of things. I think you've given your top three tips, but what would, out of those things, what would be your top three? I would say lunch is the biggest meal is probably number one that has helped numerous people with digestion. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say that next, I would say probably in bed by 10. Um, and then often that's one can be tricky depending on who it is. So the 10 o'clock. So the reason why, again, that 10 to two, even at night, that swings back to the pit hours. And so what happens, we get tired, we're tired, we don't listen, we stay up past 10. All of a sudden we're like, whoo, second wind, I'm ready to go. And then we can't fall back asleep. And so that's because the pit is there. Your pit is awake now and your pit is like, let's work, let's, mm. let's do stuff. And so that's where I like to have people try to get to bed a little earlier and just back it up by 15 minutes. So if you're going to bed at midnight, don't try to start going to bed at 10. It's just, it's not going to work go to bed 11:45 for a week and 11:30 and just mm. slowly back up the train. And then I guess the last one would be really just tuning into your body um and just being a detective, a health detective. Like I have people track <laughs> their stress every hour of the day on a scale of 1 to 10. What it, what is your stress? And then you can kind of get a good gauge um and then especially if you have a menstrual cycle, you can go ahead and do that all month long and you'll notice, ooh, this phase, I'm a little, I need to adjust because I'm stressed yeah. constantly. So there's just little ways to kind of um, play your own health detective. Good tips. All right. It's time for rapid fire. So share again, how we can keep things practical, relatable, and most importantly, doable. Yeah. So I would say the, if you have an office job, taking that whatever time it would be, let's say two o'clock, put it on your phone, set a timer, mm -hmm. whether it be for one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, that's it. And then I have actually I have this flip book right here, which looks perfect. I, this is something I tell people to do is have a little booklet 
or an idea chart, because sometimes our brains are like, I have no idea what I need right now. Well, let me open my book. Great. It's, it's telling me to, um, okay, drink a glass of water. So let me do that today. So this could be a way when your brain is fried, scrabby <laughs> flip book. And there you go. I love it. I love it. That's a great idea. Okay. I said in the beginning, we were going to talk about this. It is time now for you to tell us about the wild women circle, woman circle. Yeah. So those are, um, wild women project is where I got certified from to lead. They're kind of like a new moon circle. And so every month on the new moon, we, um, gather, I invite local people who are local to me and I set up a little, um, circle and I have some, some stuff that I put in the middle of the circle. People bring journals. Uh, and again, we, we meditate, we share. So the thing I like about circle is you share, and that's so powerful because a lot of times a group of women getting together and it's no judgment, which this is probably the hardest rule is we're not coaching each other. Mm -hmm. So no matter what you say, we just say, I witness you. And then sometimes, you know, the person next to you is bawling. You're not even supposed to get them tissues. They're in charge of their own needs. And often it's, it's an empowering thing for the person, even though you're like, what? And so that the first time people come, they're kind of like, oh my goodness. And then, and not, we don't cry every circle, but sometimes the new moon, the power is power is there and people cry. And so that's where, you know, I've realized like, this is really helpful just to get people to express their true emotions Mm -hmm. and coming by yourself, honestly, is the best thing you can do because nobody there knows you, nobody there is judging you. Mm -hmm. And when people come with friends, sometimes they kind of filter themselves. I have found, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they don't want to truly say the thing that they want to get off their chest. Um, and so I love it when people just come alone and just get it off their chest and you're like, this was great. So that's kind of what we do in our, in our circles. And, um, we always howl at the moon to finish because, uh, women who run because you're wild women. <laughs> yes. And that's my favorite book. And I'm a Minnesota Timberwolves fan and got to howl like the wolves. <laughs> so good. All right. So what are the, what are you most proud of today? Oh gosh. Um, you know, probably I wrote a book in 2021 and that's probably the thing that I am the most proud of for sitting down and doing. And, um, it's about the menstrual cycle and living a seasonal life. And so if you don't have a menstrual cycle, you can still use the book and just use it seasonally. And what I'm finding is, um, I've had a lot of parents end up their teenage daughters are taking mm-hmm. the book and loving it. Mm-hmm. And so, cause they're not learning. They're like, this is way more than I've learned in school yes. and it's an approachable way. And so that has been probably the biggest thing that I'm most proud of is just being able to reach the population that that needs this information. Yeah, for sure. Because it's it's a topic that, you know, a lot of people are very, it's still, even in 2022, uh, or taboo. taboo. Yes. But, you know, as I said, I, I found it was wonderful for, you know, helping me know my body much better. Yeah, it really is. So you, you wrote one book. What's on the horizon for you? Well, actually, I'm, I'm currently pregnant um, with baby number Woo! two. <laughs> awesome. Congratulations. Yes. yes. So baby two is due in February. And so oh. that's kind of on my horizon of like prepping and I'll be getting stuff ready for that. And so my business, I will, my business coach, actually, it was great advice. And she was like, I just, I wouldn't plan anything because you're going to, this is a creative energy time and you might have something new pop up, you know, after, after you have the baby that you're like, yeah, let's dive into this topic. So I'm kind of leaving things open into like what, 
what is next per se, mm. um, on my plate, but yeah, so that's kind of my big, the big one. So very nice. Oh. All right. This is time for those that are just listening in to get your pencil paper or pen and paper. And I'm going to share my screen, but I will read the website so that you can write it down to be able to get in contact with Andrea. So one moment. So her website is simply andreaclassen.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-A-C-L-A-A-S-S-E-N.com. Again, that's A-R-A-N-D-R-E-A-S, I'm sorry, A-N-D-R-E-C-L-A-A-S-S-E-N.com. AndreaClausen.com easily. And she made it easy for you to remember her Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. It's uh, Seasonal Andrea for Pinterest and, Insta- and Instagram. And YouTube, she is Andrea Clausen, her name. So very easy. I'd like Andrea to talk to you about what she has as a gift for you. Yeah. So I have a free um, five-day Ayurvedic challenge. So if you're kind of intrigued by what we talked about today and you want to know a little bit more, these are kind of the first things that I would um, recommend implementing to help you live an Ayurvedic lifestyle. And you can, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, this is like a whole new way to look at life. And it's like my grandmother's wisdom. And I'm like, yes, yes, it really is. All right. So thank you so much for being a guest. You shared a great many tips and educated us. And I think that that was important for us in the audience to get to know a little bit about how we can do things differently and live a a more holistic life to be um, having a healthier life uh, and one that we can enjoy our old age in a vibrant life, as opposed to being tied to lots of drugs and things like that. So awesome. As always, thank you. I just want to remind everybody, as always, that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. So, this is Vicki Nethling signing off. Have a great one. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nethling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.